0: Well, Kairos, it is so good to see you here tonight. It's our hope and our expectation that you had an opportunity to encounter the living Jesus, not just the one you read about, not just the one you hear about, but the one who actually still wants to be with us, be a part of our life and our story. And that's our hope tonight. And so tonight, as we transition to studying the Word of God, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 10? And as you turn there, I have a uh, confession to make to you tonight. So here it is. I like winning. I like winning. And before you're like, hey, pastors shouldn't like winning. I'm guaranteeing that you probably like winning too, right? Everybody likes to win. But I like to win so much that my wife no longer plays Settlers of Catan with me anymore. Like she's like, listen, you like to win too much. I am i on playing games with you because you have this desire to win. But I think all of us do have that same desire. We all want to do the best that we can. We all want to win at life. And uh, the other day I got a chance to coach my uh, daughter's basketball team. And I learned this. Even little kids uh, in youth sports, they like what? Winning, right? And I know that A lot of the parents were like, hey, listen, we just want our kid to have fun and enjoy this. And I was telling them, you know what is a lot of fun for kids is winning, not losing. When they lose, they know already that that's not very fun. And tonight what we want to talk about is what it looks like to win spiritually, because that's a question a lot of us ask. How do I win in my walk with Jesus? How do I win in my walk with Jesus? How do I win at following God? And... The story we're going to be looking at is based on a young man who asks Jesus this question. He says, how do I get there? How do I win? So let's look together in the text. Mark chapter 10. We're looking at a very famous story. The story of a young man that they call the rich young ruler. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we find Jesus teaching and someone comes up to him. Says this, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This young man's like, what do I need to do? How do I win? How do I get eternal life? Now Jesus responds to him by drawing him in. We've seen this before at Kairos, where Jesus asks people really hard questions because he wants to engage with them. A couple of weeks ago, we studied this with uh, the story of the Seraphim woman, where Jesus tells a parable because he wants her to lean in. And he does that with this young man. Verse 18, Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. So what we find here, Jesus asks him a really important question. He says, you say that I'm good. What do you mean by that? Are you just asking me if I'm a morally upright teacher or are you asking me if I'm God? Because this is the question a lot of people are asking about Jesus. Is he just a prophet or is he something else? Is he the Messiah? Is he the chosen one? And some are even asking the question, could Jesus be even something more? And so Jesus asks him, Am I just simply somebody that you think can give you a guidebook to winning in your faith? Or are you asking me how to get to where I am going? And Jesus then asks him some questions. He asks him about his status, because this man, the only thing we know about him is that he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler. And Jesus says, are you keeping the commandments to gain your status? Are you, are you defrauding anybody? Are you getting rich by, by stealing from the poor? Are you doing this the right way? And the young man says, yes, I've done all of those things. I just wanna point out that this young man is achieving almost everything that we want to achieve as Americans, right? We all wanna be rich, we all wanna be young or at least look young, right? And we all want to rule. We want power and authority. And this man has achieved all of it. And yet he knows deep down inside that he doesn't have the answers. He knows that there's something more for him than simply keeping the law. He's saying, I want to make sure that I do the right things. And Jesus then poses a very difficult question to him. Look with me in verse uh, 21. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So Jesus looks at him. I don't want you to miss this. You can underline this in your Bible if you want. Jesus looks at him and loves him. I think this is important because... Sometimes we hear this story that Jesus is almost trying to do a gotcha moment with him, right? Like, hey, I know the one thing that's going to make you run away. Give all your stuff away. Then you're going to have to come and follow me. But Jesus is not saying that. Jesus is saying this to him because he loves him. Moreover, one of the things that he does here is he invites him to follow Jesus. Jesus. This invitation is the same one that Jesus gives to all of his disciples. He gives this invitation to Peter and Matthew and Andrew. This is an invitation not simply to be someone who follows along behind Jesus, but to actually become one of the 12. Jesus invites him to do that, but the cost is giving up everything that he has. And the man is so dismayed. The the Greek word for dismay means that he is Downcast, He is broken by this because he has great wealth. And I think we have to ask ourselves the question, why? Why is he so unwilling to give everything to follow Jesus? Because Jesus is offering him something tremendous, an opportunity to follow the risen Christ, the one who has overcome death. Jesus is giving him an opportunity to be in on the inner circle. And yet this man's wealth keeps him From getting there, I think the question that we have to wrestle with is a question of identity. You see, giving everything away would have challenged who this man was, the way that he saw himself. He was what? The rich, young ruler. What would he do if he was no longer rich? What would he do if he had no power and followed Jesus? Who was he if he gave up those things? And we find Jesus challenging at the core of his identity saying, I need you to give up that very definition of who you are if you want to be one of my followers. Now, I think the, the reaction of the crowd is helpful because a lot of times we just stop the story there, but we miss what Jesus says afterwards. So I want to take us there. Verse 23, Jesus says this. He says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it? I'm sorry, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They're even more astonished, saying to one another, Then who can be saved? We need to do a little work unpacking this because we miss what Jesus is saying here. Because a lot of times we think the rich are are like so distant from us or we think that they are just, you know, uh, we may have a negative connotation towards the rich. But in Jesus' day, the rich were considered blessed by God. That they were living their life in such a way that God blessed them. Therefore, it was easier for them to get to heaven than the poor. And so they're saying, listen, if that guy can't get there, how in the world can we get there? And Jesus says, it's difficult. It's exceedingly difficult for someone who is rich to get to heaven. And this is a word for us here in in Nashville, Tennessee. Because a lot of us try to explain away this text. Sometimes when when I hear preachers teach this, they give some... Some convoluted explanations as to what Jesus is saying, because Jesus says it's easier for a camel to get to, through the, the the eye of a needle than a rich person to get to heaven. And so sometimes they go into some historical stuff that doesn't really add up. Sometimes pastors say, "What's going on here is that uh, Jesus is talking about a physical camel trying to get through a gate called the eye of the needle." And so to get through the gate. People would have to take off all the baggage so the camel could get through. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Still others will say, no, Jesus isn't talking about camels at all. It's actually a different word that means a piece of twine. And it's hard to thread a needle with a piece of twine. You have to work really hard at it. But if you work hard enough, you can thread the needle. But both of those are not saying what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, being rich is an obstacle To follow Jesus. Being rich. Is an obstacle to follow Jesus. Why? Because money is the greatest substitute for God. Money is the greatest substitute for God. We can get everything that we need God for. Through money. Our food. Our success. Our access to people and places. Money can... Fill the void that only God can fill. But it doesn't fill it forever. But it sure can make us feel like we don't need him. And where this really lands home for us here in Brentwood, Tennessee, is that everybody in this room is rich. Now, you may go, I'm not rich. Look at my bank account. Like, I'm, I couldn't even pay for gas. Like, I didn't fill it up. Like, I filled, like, with $7. I don't know if I'm going to make it all the way back to school or, or to home. Like, I'm not rich. But I will will put in front of you that every single person in this room is incredibly wealthy. Both historically and in our current world, we are rich beyond our um, understanding. Now, I know this. There there are some in this room who are thousandaires. Some are even millionaires. Some will be millionaires. There might even be billionaires in this room. So this might be more towards you. But I do believe that every single person in this room is rich. Why? Because the rest of the world lives on less than $1 a day. And today you have more at your fingertips than Pharaoh did. Right I mean you have a supercomputer in your pocket everybody raise raise their your phone if you have a phone, put it, like hold it up, all right, like <clears throat> not that long ago, when I was in high school, this was like beyond anything I could ever imagine, okay like the fact that we could actually carry around a computer in our pocket, like computers for the size of this this piano, okay right we we couldn't imagine having access like we do today but access is not just simply our phones Uh, there is access that we have to uh, medical care unlike anything the world has ever seen we have access to the rest of the world like literally almost everybody in this room could pay for a plane ticket and go to anywhere in the world within 24 hours 200 years ago going from here to St. Louis most of us would die on the trip Right, It's a lot easier to travel than it's ever been. Why? Because we are rich. And the greatest obstacle for us following Jesus is that we desire to be even more wealthy than we are right now. Most of us are, are laser focused on how we can have money and how we can have more of it rather than following Jesus And if I'm making you uncomfortable, I'm trying to. Because I love you and I want so much more for you than simply fulfilling the American dream. God wants so much more for you than simply having a lot of stuff. Let me tell you, like I've got a lot of stuff. Like I got married. And before I got married, I had no stuff. Like I had the worst, like, like cutlery. Like I had like none of it matched Right, I had, I had I had like mismatched plates. I didn't have any, I had like a bed that like, I was scared to show any of my friends or any of the girls I dated. It was just like, it was like, it was on the floor. I didn't even have like, like, I didn't even have rails to put it on. It was simply like a mattress on the floor. That's all I had. Then I got married and Tabitha started civilizing me, okay. And, uh, and, and, and we have, like, a, a, a wedding shower, which they give you all this great gear and, like, new plates. It's incredible. It's, listen, let me tell you, one of the best days in your life is, like, registering for your new gear for your wedding registry. It's like, I mean, I started, like, sneaking stuff that Tabitha didn't even like. I was like, oh, yeah, man, like, that rooster looks cool. And she would go behind me, like, taking them off. Like, she's like, no, we're not getting that, right? But I'm telling you, the longer you live, the more stuff you get. I have four children. Like we have toys coming out of our ears. We have to purge their toys when they're not looking because they love all of it. Like even the broken ones. And so right now we're going on this massive like purge of all our kids' extra stuff. We're giving away to kids that don't have stuff because if we're not careful, we won't be able to walk in our house. We have so much stuff because we're rich. And if we're not careful, we will worship at the altar Success, power, and riches. And our hearts will be cold towards Jesus. And Jesus calls all of us to leave it all behind. They say, who can be saved? Look with me in verse 27. Jesus says, with man it is impossible. But not with God. Because all things are possible with God. See, we have to change the way that we think about winning spiritually. It's not, what do I do? It's not, how do I get there? It's not, how do I win? But rather, how can God win in my life? How can I win? And the only way I can win is if God ultimately has victory in my life in every aspect of who I am and every aspect of my identity. And that's what Jesus is asking from this rich young ruler. Now, Peter responds, because he's like always the guy who just can't help himself. Like we all have a friend like that. Like they always like say things when nobody else is supposed to say anything. They're the person who answers every question in a class. You have a friend like that. Maybe that's you. The teacher asks a question. always the same dude, Right. Raising their hand, ready to go. That's Peter. Peter goes, says this. He says, uh, begins to tell him, look, we have left everything behind and followed you. Like Peter's like, can I get a gold star? Because I did that, right? Literally like, we did it. The rich guy, man, he's, he's terrible at this game, but we won, right? And Jesus goes on to say this. He says, truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake. For the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more, now at this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields with persecutions. He just throws that in there just randomly. And eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Hear this. It's not what you give up. It's what you get back. It's not what you give up, it's what you give back, what you get back. Jesus says, I'm not just asking you to get rid of the, your stuff, your riches and just like be without anything. I'm going to exchange it with something so much better. And I can't help but feel sorry for the rich young ruler because guess what? He's not rich anymore. He's dead. He's not young. He's not a ruler. He couldn't keep the thing that he held so closely as his identity. Jesus was offering him something completely different. He was offering him true riches. So just so you guys know, this story is not about one young ruler. It's about two of them. There are two rich young rulers. There's a young man and then there's Jesus. Remember I said, underline the word that Jesus looked at him and loved him? I think part of the reason is that Jesus identified with him. He's like, I see myself in you. Because Jesus was young. He was about 30 years old. And and guess what? Jesus was also rich. (laughs) Far richer than this guy could ever imagine. He owns everything. And he's a ruler. He rules everything that we see. And yet, for our sake, Jesus became poor so we could become rich. For our sake, he became broken and gave up his rights so that we could become sons and daughters of the Most High. And he gained for himself a people from every tribe, tongue, language, nation. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, there is so much more. Join me in this journey to give it all away so that we can receive what God has for us. So my question to you, church, is this? Will you join Jesus? I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what thing Jesus is asking for, from you. But I do know that Jesus wants you to follow him. And I know that he is calling you to trust him. So the question in our time of 120 seconds is simply this. What do you need to give up? If you're the rich young ruler... What is Jesus asking from you? Is it your future? You know, I think a lot of us like, want to hear what God's will is in our life so we can line it up with all the other things that we think are possible futures and then vote on it. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you want to come to me, you just literally need to give up. That's how you win. For some of us, it could be a relationship or holding so fast to it. But we know it's toxic and it's drawing us away from Jesus. And we need to trust Him with that relationship tonight. Some of us, it is riches. I don't know what it means for you to give it up, but. Perhaps the first step is simply saying, God, will you take control of all that I have? I'm a steward, not an owner anymore. This is your money, your stuff, your wealth, and you can do whatever you want with it. But my yes is on the table. I will follow you regardless of where you want me to go because I know that all of this is fleeting. So what is... The thing that God's asking you to give up. Some of you, it's just simply giving up on being religious, like working really hard. What must I do, Jesus, to get you to love me? And Jesus says, You know what? You can't earn it. But I'm willing to give it. God, I pray for every single person in this room. What, what talent, what power, what amazing people these people are. But God, I pray that they would not lean on that, but rather on you. And God, you're asking us to come to a place of full surrender and trust. So would you, would you do that right now? Some in this room have never trusted you as Lord and Savior. They've been trusting in their, their family or their money or their power their church attendance and they are tired god i pray that they would experience you they would win by trusting you if that's you tonight do not leave without talking to somebody but you can start right here by simply just praying this with me jesus i believe that you are real And I will trust you. The thing I need to give up is control. And I give it to you. All of it. Forever. Because I will follow you wherever you want me to go. If you did that tonight, if you just prayed that with me, your life is forever. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's not doing things. It's knowing Jesus and following him. And I'm telling you, if you prayed that prayer tonight, God has done a new work in your life. He has called you his own, and you are now a follower of Jesus. He's birthed something new in you. If you heard the prayer and you're like, I missed it, you can still get in. Just pray it right now, right where you are. Jesus, Jesus believe that you're real. I want in, and I'll follow you forever. That's your prayer tonight. God's going to take you someplace you've never, ever, ever experienced. If you prayed that prayer, I want to talk to you about it afterwards. Come find me. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.